Hello everybody and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Now this past week saw Manchester City come back from 1-0 down and beat PSG. Burnley shocked everyone with a 4-0 win against Wolves. General news which includes Julian Nagelsmann set to become the new Bayern Munich manager. Also the first two players have been announced in the new Premier League Hall of Fame. Stick around to see who they are. But all of that and much more coming up on this episode. But we're film, we're recording, sorry, on a Thursday this week due to a bit of scheduling. So yeah, we're doing it on a Thursday. Maybe it will come out Friday or Thursday. We'll see. Um, but yeah, how are you guys doing? All right. Very good, thank you. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. good. How are you, Go Dan? I'm good, thank you, Alex. Um, right, let's get on with the Champions League. So the Europa League games haven't been played yet. Um, well, while we're recording this, it is tonight on Thursday. But yeah, we'll start off with the Champions League. The first game, PSG versus Manchester City. City came back from 1-0 down to win it 2-1. Marquinhos getting the, the header for uh, PSG's opener. And then De Bruyne and Mahrez getting the two, vi- two vital away goals for City. A big game, wasn't it, Alex? And it lived up to the expectations, I thought. Yeah, very big game. I thought uh, in the first half, uh, PSG were were the better side, even though Manchester City controlled main parts of the play. Uh, and then, obviously, PSG got the breakthrough through Marquinhos from a from a corner. Uh, but then in the second half, I think um, City really turned it on. I think they they could have done with bringing on a striker, maybe Jesus or Aguero, but they they may do. And then De Bruyne, his free kick was a bit fluky, but. Um, yeah, it still went in, and then Mares got his his free kick uh, just through the wall somehow, and um, yeah, it it won them the match, and they're probably now the favourites to go in through the second leg. Would you agree, Joe, with Alex? Definitely, definitely the favourites to go into the final. Oh yeah, definitely. I think um, I think PSG are a good good side, good strong side, but I think City just haven't beat this time. Yeah, uh, both sides did make four changes. Um, look, so the first goal with Marquinhos, could you really stop that? Maybe put Ruben Diaz a bit more on, or Stones a bit more on Marquinhos. But we know he has got a very, very good jump in, in the past couple of years that he's seen. So you couldn't really do anything about the first goal, could he really? No, and there's obviously like a few more players like Kempembe who can win a header as well. So it'll be hard to, to focus on one man in that situation. Yeah, De Bruyne's goal. I think Kaylor Abba should have probably dealt with that a little bit better. Um, I, think he, I think he thought that Stones was going to get a touch or something. So, yeah. Yeah, and then um, Mares got the other goal, like you said, a bit of a dodgy wall there between Paredes and uh, I think I think it was Kimpembe. Yeah, um, in between them, I think uh, PSG played very well the first half. I think the game sort of went into uh, PSG's favour, sort of, with City holding the two fullbacks like virtually back to watch the counter-attack with Mbappe and Neymar. But then in the second half, City encouraged the fullbacks to go forwards and then they could rec- recover back even more like we saw with Walker and Mbappe on the left-hand side. We saw a bit of a duel going on there. Um, but yeah, City get the win uh, and they could be on their way to the first ever Champions League final. What did you think about the adjusted red red card? Do you reckon it was quite a odd one? <laughs> I don't think that there's much debate. Uh, it was definitely a red card. Um, I can kind of see what, what Gay was trying to do, like get the ball from, from behind Gundogan and obviously he moved a bit uh, too quickly. But I mean, it, it was at the end of the day, a, a very bad tackle and a red card. 
Yep, City's next game is against Crystal Palace on Saturday and then it is the second leg of the Champions League. But going on to the other game now, Real Madrid versus Chelsea. One all in the end. Um, Chelsea having 11 shots and only registering five on target compared to Real Madrid's nine and one on target. Um, I didn't really know what to make of the game, um, but Pulisic scored the first goal, then Benzema scored um, the second goal. I believe that takes him to the fourth highest Champions League goal scorer in the whole of the history, um, which is quite good for him. Um, but it seems to be around this time that Christian Pulisic comes in, like comes really good for Chelsea in these last couple of games, like we saw last season. It does seem to thrive under pressure, doesn't he? Uh, it's getting to the end of the season, and um, they're sort of feeling the need to drive through. And I like finish off on a high note, and um, he's definitely bringing that. Yeah, Alex, we saw it last season as well uh, when he scored two goals against Liverpool and he had a number of good games against Burnley as well. Do you reckon he's slowly starting to come into the mould that we saw of him uh, from the uh, back end of last season? Yeah, I think he's a bit of a weird player because, like, back in the last season, I remember his goal against City, I think it was in the FA Cup or something like that. And um, yeah, he, he just seemed like a, a very good player, but then started his season he was hyped so much and then he wasn't really started under Lampard wasn't really started at the start under um, the new manager and then he's just yeah and then he's just slowly starting to get into the team and um, playing like his best football and if he can keep this through the whole season then he'll become a very good player for them Yep, so we're all saying City going through to the final. Now that we've seen the first leg, who do you think is going to go through? Because it was sort of an even match game, uh, possession-wise especially as well. But who do you think will go through? I think over the two legs, I think it'll be Real Madrid, seeing as they have like the more experience. Um, but I did think Chelsea deserved to, to get more than a draw out of that game. What about you, Joe? Personally, I think Real Madrid has slipped a lot this season. And I think Chelsea, uh, they had a bit of a rocky start with Lampard, but I think they're definitely coming into themselves under Tuchel or Tuchel. Um, So I I personally think Chelsea will win the second leg. Um, And I think we'll see a stunner from Pulisic as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, Joe. Um, Chelsea, I think they'll go through. I think... The only team that can really stop City now is Chelsea because they know them better than anyone. Of course, they beat them in the FA Cup final last weekend. Uh, I think Real Madrid would sort of play into the hands a bit too much. And we know Chelsea can counter-attack and dominate with the ball. So for me, Chelsea is the only team that can stop winning, uh, City winning the Champions League. Um, I just want to go over Pep Guardiola. Um, and I know Gary Neville said something this week, if I can just get it up. Uh, yeah, he said this. He said, I think Man City may have the greatest manager of all time. What do we think of those comments? Because there is a certain manager called Alex Ferguson that people remain the goat as. But yeah, Joe, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Do you agree with Gary Neville? I wouldn't say he's the best. He'd be in my top three. I think you can't argue that Ferguson's the best. Then I'd probably have to say Wenger and then Pep. That's fair enough. Also, Mourinho as well. We can't forget about him. Uh, he's won a ton of trophies as well. Um, yeah, but look at him now. Yeah, I, I know, I know, but you could... he's done it by playing crap football and just sort of sticking out. I, I, sorry, I, I should have said, I was talking about more in the early years with his Inter Milan when he won the treble in 2010. 
Um, and then when he won the Premier League, I think it was two years on the trot uh, with Chelsea in 04, 05. So I, I was talking about that and he is a great manager and he slowly started to decline, don't get me wrong. But then he's won the Ch- uh, Premier Leagues with Chelsea again uh, in 2014-15. So I, I, I sometimes think we overlook Mourinho just because of the bad press that he gets in the media the majority of the time. And I know he's playing shocking football at the moment, but you can't remember back then it, he was playing football that almost... It was a bit like Guardiola, it almost like revo- revolutionised um, the game back in 2004. So... Yeah, I can't forget about Mourinho. What do you think about it, Alex? I think it has been uh, like a bit easier for, for Pep to look like a great manager. Obviously, he did quite well at Barcelona. Um, but what, like since he's been at Man City, he wh- like when he first came in with the squad, he did have... They were finishing fourth, fifth every season. And it's only when they really started like bringing all of the top quality players that he needed in that they started winning, winning the... Um, the leagues and stuff. So, although Pep Guardiola, you can't say anything. He's done it. At, he's done it at Barcelona, and he's starting to do it at Man City, and he did it at Bayern Munich as well. Um, I don't think he can be put on the same level, level as Ferguson because Ferguson did it with like all the players that no one had heard of, like the the youth players and everything. And then Pep Guardiola's always had the team there to do it for him. So, um, I'd honestly go with Ferguson over Pep. But, um, I also think you need to put like Mourinho into that category as well. Yeah, that is very true about Fergie. I do think, though, I, I can't think personally of another manager that's been all around Europe, apart from Italy uh, and France, but it's not as competitive. Um, I can't I, I can't remember another manager that's been around and dominated the whole of Europe, or it seems to be like. I know he didn't win the Champions League with Bayern Munich, but we've never really saw any of this really in the past. So is that Maybe something... Ancelotti is oh, yeah. nearly on the same level, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you can't take that away from him, winning everywhere where he's gone. But like you said, Alex, he has had the team, so he's not had to do a Klopp or a Ferguson where he's had to build the team up into a winning winning style of team. So, But he's still got time ahead of him. There's yeah, no yeah, reason he couldn't be the greatest manager of all time in the future. Yeah, definitely. And he's, he's still quite young in comparison to, to Mourinho and Ferguson. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, so yeah, Pep Guardiola could become one of the best managers of all time. Do you think he'll stay at City for the rest of his career? Not for the rest. I think he'll win a few Champions Leagues and then go somewhere and try and build that up as well. I reckon he'll try and build up another team so people can't keep saying he's had the team built for him. I wouldn't yeah. be I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Juventus because what they're sitting fourth in Serie A at the moment, they're not doing too well and. Yeah, I know you said about building the team up there, Joe, but then people could say that he's building the team up, but then they do have the world-class players as well. So with Guardiola's man money. management, and the money as well, with Guardiola's man management, maybe we could see Juventus get back to the top. But I don't know, like you said, who who do you think he could, t- what team do you reckon he could take and make them into a great team? Because I'm not seeing that side of him yet. I don't know, if he took a, I'm thinking more Germany, if he took a German club... And brought him to to a title. I think that would pro- probably prove that he's w- w- one of the greats because um, the Ger- the Bundesliga is just dominated at the moment by Bayern Munich. Yeah, of course he was at Bayern Munich. So whether he could rival them with another team like Cologne, maybe say for instance, just off the top of my head, I don't know. What about you, Alex? One team who would you pick for him to go to? I, I might. I know they're like. Uh... 
very good team already, but I, I'm thinking like Atletico Madrid because like they they aren't like winning all the trophies that they used to, and they aren't really competing other than this season with Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, like if he went there and then started winning the trophies, then I think he'd get a lot more recognition than he than he already has. Yeah, uh, I don't think he will go to a French club. I mean, if he does, if if he goes to Monaco and overcomes PSG, but then then again, PSG this season second in Liga and uh, Lille above them, so they're not having the best season. Um, but I still think that would be great if he went to Monaco and did something like that. Uh, but yeah. We'll have to see if it does happen. Now we'll go. I mean, we'll the... take him at Villa if he's going to build up the squad. <laughs> Dean Smith out. No, I'm joking. He's a good manager. Yeah, um... We'd swap him for Guardiola any day. <laughs> he's a great manager, but Guardiola, I think he'd have a bigger push to get strikers, which is where we're severely lacking. It's probably the main position that I would say we're weak in. Yeah, definitely. And I think he'd manage us in a way that means we stop thinking we need Grealish yeah I think um, I think uh, oh, was oh, yeah Wesley's coming back isn't it yeah Wesley oh. and oh what's his face Keenan Davis oh yeah he's I, I'm pretty sure Keenan Davis scored the other night didn't he yeah, yeah that was a yeah. jammy goal we'll come on to it soon though Alex, going on to your team now uh, against Arsenal um, at the Emirates on Friday. There were protests out the stadium, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, but what did you think of the game as an Everton fan starting off first and then maybe going to more of a neutral? Well, it was a, a very big win for us. Uh, I think it was a six-pointer. It takes us six points clear of Arsenal. I think we were in danger of like slipping down to maybe the Leeds-Arsenal-Villa place. But I think we've... Uh, done well to stick with like Tottenham and Liverpool which is very good (laughs) and um, although we didn't play like our best football or anything I think as Ancelotti said in his conference I think it it was more of a a draw type of game Um, but uh, we ended up defending very well and and getting it was a pretty jammy goal but I think it was deserved at that point yeah um, I think Arsenal did have the chances like you and you just you just took the vital one in the end I know you said you got lucky with the Burn Leno own goal um, but yeah that is your first win and I remember you saying something last week uh, but I've managed to get a, a couple of facts up your first win in 25 years against Arsenal at home that is um, uh, Everton's first double over Arsenal since the 85-86 season which is ages ago, not even in Premier League times of things. Um, we have to talk about the offside, though. <laughs> Another decision that's uh, ruffled a couple of feathers, let's say. Um, what do we think about this one? Of course, Nicola Pepe has been judged offside by his, it looks like his arm or just his elbow. Um, if he, if take the arm bit out of the equation, he's onside because I believe it's, is that Holgate playing him onside or is it? I want to say Michael Keane. Um, I don't know. Not de- I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I it, think it's Holgate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, Holgate. Yeah. What did you think about this initially, uh, Alex? Well, I I, th- I can understand why the Arsenal fans are like so outraged that it's offside because I agree that that should not be given offside. But I don't know whether you you saw the penalty, um, like in itself. I. Oh yeah, it's never a penalty. Yeah, yeah, it's just never a penalty. So I can understand why they're they're outraged about this, Um, but yeah, 
What do you think about it, Joe? Another crazy decision. Well, looking at it, his feet are actually behind uh, Holgate's feet. Yeah. So I personally say it's onside, but Holgate's arm is what's playing him off. He's just got his arm stretched out that little bit further than Holgate. I think that's a bit of a piss take that they've put it offside, to be honest. Yeah. I, it's like the Bamford one against Palace earlier in the season. It's like ridiculous. You go and score with your arm or hand, Pepe, because that won't be. That's like that's going to be allowed, isn't it? But <laughs> it's just inconsistency yet again. Alex, what did we say? We were talking in the group chat the other day. We, what was, It was the City game. Were you talking about inconsistency with the fouls? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just in the Premier League. I personally, I think the official, like the refereeing, is better in the Champions League. I feel like the they won't give the soft penalties like we see in the Premier League, um, and I feel like they will be a bit more loose with it. But I think it was the first ten minutes of the City PSG game in the second half. Sorry, City probably should have had some decisions that went their way, uh, but yeah, the, the referee didn't give them. Um, but yeah, that's that's just how it is, I suppose. Um, we'll go on to the next game. Aston Villa 2, West Brom 2. Joe, heartbreak for West Brom, but you managed to get a point in the end. Heartbreak for West Brom? We were on top and we threw it. I, I was kind of gutted that we uh, we let them come back and then we let them go ahead. Um, I think we could have done a lot of things better. Our defence was full of holes and we weren't clinical enough on attack. And we weren't we just weren't fast enough, in my opinion. Yeah. Um break. Yeah, of course the two first goals for both sides were actually from penalties. Um mm. I, I, then again, some maybe decisions that maybe would have been ruled out uh, with other officials, but it is what it is. Um so the next game, oh, I saw it the other day. Who'd you play this weekend? You play. Let me just get it up. You play Everton, actually. Um, so after that result, you how, how confident are you going into that game? I'm not sure if Grealish will be back. I'm not too sure, but We've yeah. We've got you twice, don't we? Like, they still haven't, we still haven't scheduled the, the second game. No, we haven't, have we? <laughs> yeah, we've we got five or six games left in the season and we still don't know when we're playing you the second time. <laughs> so not, um... not very confident. Going into the game. No, not at all. We don't have Graylish. Um and the way we're playing at the moment, I think Everton will rip through us. That's that's fair enough. We'll go we'll go more into it when we get to the predictions. But Alex, looking on the West Brom side of things, and I don't know about you, but I think West Brom are doing as much as they can do. But whether that'll get them the points, I don't think it'll be enough in the end. Because they've shown over the last three weeks that they've been classed, but it's eventually going to run out, isn't it? And they're eventually going to get beaten. Yeah, so the same with Fulham. They've been playing very well through parts of the season, but it's the results that have let them down. Um, Allardyce said before the match that they'll need to win pretty much all of their matches to go to, to stay up. And this was a, a very, not disappointing result. They played very well in, in some parts of the match, but the defending in the last minute to, to stop them getting all three points was just uh, heartbreaking. And uh, although... 
they probably wouldn't have stayed up. Like if they had a won this game, it would have been a very like healthy boost for them to, to go for the rest of the season. Yep. Um, so West Brom could be relegated in the next couple of weeks. We'll have to see though. Uh, the next game was Liverpool versus Newcastle ended up one all in the end at Anfield. Um, Klopp started off the game with a 4-2-4 formation, bringing on Jota, Mane, uh, Salah and Firmino all up front. Um, it's the third game in a row Joe Willock's come off the bench and scored a goal as a sub. A bit of a super sub for Newcastle at the moment. Um, a bit disappointing on the Liverpool sides of things. Uh, they, only, they had 22 attempts, so shots on charts, and then nine on target with also 69% possession. Do you reckon they just weren't clinical enough that game, Alex? Yeah, that is the moral. They they had more shots this game than than when they beat Crystal Palace seven nil earlier on in the season. So you can see like what effect has had um, on their attack force. And even having Jota back, you'd expect them to score much more goals, but they just didn't. And then a bit of controversial handball uh, late on. They thought they'd they'd won it, but Joe Willock with a deflected shot equalised um, about a minute later. But I know you're probably going to talk about the Callum Wilson goal, but. Um... Yeah, I was I was just about to come on to that. I think uh, it is a handball, really. I think you can just see him move it uh, in the last couple of seconds when it's in uh, real footage. Um, but yeah, Newcastle probably got a point that they probably well deserved, to be honest. I mean, they defended very well, very tight and compact, and then hit and them on the a, break. Yeah, they had a good few chances to themselves. I, met, I remember, um, was it Sean Longstaff in the first half? He, he should have yeah. done much better, but that should have been an equaliser as well. Yeah, and then I think uh, Joe Joe Linton had a chance as well, and then I believe was it was it Joe Joe Linton and Almiron who both went into each other, and oh, it yeah. could, they could have been through. So yeah, there was there was a number of chances for Newcastle on the break, but yeah, they couldn't convert any of them. And uh, yeah, Alan Sam Maxman's much too good for for Newcastle. Yeah, did you see that Liverpool fan? I think it was say swap Mane for uh, yeah. Alan Sam Maxman. <laughs> <And then he's... laughs> <laughs> that was very funny uh, but yeah both of them Sadio Mane greatest player in the world <laughs> not in recent times uh, but yeah we'll go on to the next game West Ham nil, Chelsea won in the London Derby 100th top flight game between these rivals um, West Ham started the game with no out and out striker really with Bone and Lingard up front um, nine of Werner's 11 competitive goals of Chelsea have been scored in London so he loves playing against uh, the London teams we'll come on to the Balbuena decision in a minute uh, but it's 10 clean sheets in 14 games for Chelsea just shows how much of a difference Tuchel's made to Chelsea doesn't it Joe? Yeah it does but I don't think you can credit him as much for this game because West Ham went uh, a man down for a stupid decision they did do well to win it but uh, personally, I think they could have done a lot better. I, th- I think they could have taken it to or even 3 0. Yeah, um, we'll come on to that decision now, actually. Uh, what did you think of it? Um, because personally, um, I'll just have my quick turn at first. I think that Balbuena, what's he meant to do there? Let's be honest. He's kicked through the ball and Chilwell's uh, legs just there. So it's unfortunate that he's grabbed him, but it's not intentional, is it? That's what I'm trying There's to say. There's nothing intentional about it. And what are you meant to do after you've kicked the ball? You're not going to yeah. stop your foot, are you? Because then the ball's going nowhere. Honestly, but... It's probably bad positioning from Chilwell. It's unlucky, but it is probably bad positioning, if we're being honest. Yeah, it's more I, Chilwell's yeah. fault than Balbuena's. I think Balbuena did slip as well, so that didn't help the matter even more. But 
he, he has slipped there. Um, what did you think of it, Alex? Uh, I didn't like. There's no way that's a red card. As Joe said, I don't know what he's meant to do with his foot. Like after he kicks him, and I saw later on in the game, I think it was Kufal on. I think it was Rudiger. He did the exact same thing, and the referee didn't even um, like ask VAR or anything. So, as you said, like before, it needs to be consistent. Either both of them are a red card, or none of them are a red card. And in the circumstances, none of them were like should be a red card, but. Balbuena has just like not come off very lucky. I mean, yeah. personally, I, I wouldn't even call it a foul. No, uh, maybe yellow at least. But then again, you're going a bit too far, aren't you? Well, that... I don't think it's a yellow even. Like, what what's he meant to do in that position? I think I mean, of, of, officiating wise, I think they would give it maybe as a yellow if players were more interactive with the whole officiating system. But then again, like you said, the players, if they are there, they could say that that's not a foul and it's just a sort of movement that's happened. I think it's just unlucky that it happened. I, I don't think Balboin has done anything wrong and I don't think it should have been a foul awarded. No. I think uh, Chris Kavanagh, the referee, and I can't remember the person at Stockley Park, They've, I think they both said a, a red send him off. So I, I still think, I, I just uh, went to it then, I still think players need to be in those type of decisions in Stockley Park to make those decisions with the officials because they get the game. Not saying that the refs don't get the game, but I think if the players were a bit more involved, we would see more of the decisions make, I don't know, be more sensible, if you know what I mean. Maybe that's something that ex-players can do. Maybe yeah. pundits can be given a given a chance. Yeah, I, th- I, yeah, I think that's a... I think that would be great if that does happen. Um, we'll look at uh, West Ham. Uh, they didn't have a shot on target until the 55th minute, Alex. Um, they had no out-and-out strike, like I said before, with Bowen and Lingard up front. Do you reckon that sort of took away the goal-scoring threat? I know Lingard and a bit of Bowen's been on hot form at the moment, but no Antonio really didn't help against that back three of Chelsea, did it? Yeah, it seems, again, like David Moyes, we saw him at the later stages with Everton. He didn't really change his tactics that much. And then when he did come up against like a, an attacking side like Chelsea, he kind of played a defensive um, formation and, and tactics like he did against Manchester United. Uh, and they, they just struggled to get goals. But um, yeah, although I'd like to like blame David Moyes for, for his tactics and everything, he's been very good this season for them. And yeah... I think it's just uh, one bad game out of a, a, a good bunch. Yep, I think they will bounce back this weekend. Um, now, the next, I think they're playing Burnley, I'm not too sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we'll go up north now to Leeds versus Manchester United. Before the game, 199 goals between these two and not a single one in this game. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a very, I wouldn't say it was a disappointing match because we knew high intensity would be brought to the game. But I think there wasn't as many opportunities that I thought there would have been like 6-2 earlier in the season. I think we all agreed that we're not going to see another version of that, which we didn't. Um, but I still think Leeds were Leeds were good, United were good, but I think Leeds are just, especially that game, they're so much more aggressive. I don't know, Bielsa's obviously gone into them uh, before the match and showed how important this game is and how long Leeds have waited for it to be at home at Ellen Road. But Leeds went really, really into us. Um, what did you think about some of the decisions? Because obviously I thought, as a United fan, I thought that we would have 
got a number of fouls, but at, at the end, it sort of looked like Leeds were just always getting a foot in and always barging us over, uh, which didn't really help us. But then, then I don't want the game to be a bit too soft. But then, I don't know. I can't really put my. I can't really say what it is, but it just felt Leeds were a bit more aggressive than us. I was watching the the ticker, you know, the live ticker on the Premier League app. Yeah, I was watching that. And even the decision, even if the decisions weren't going through, it was still a foul every other minute from Leeds. Yeah. You put in like two or two or three fouls, which is kind of expected from a game. They had double or even triple that. Yeah. It was like every other minute. And um, as you said, I don't think all of the decisions were yeah, I don't think all the decisions were given. But you know, United, they go down for anything. Yeah, I know. I, I know we do. Like, I, I'll take some of that. Uh, like, I'll take some of that of your point, Joe. That we do go down sometimes. But this game, especially, we got hit hard by Leeds, and it it almost really cost us the game because to get past Leeds, we did it a couple of first times in the first five minutes. You have to play one touch, two touch pass in football, and we didn't do that. And our players like to take a touch, like every five touches in one stride, which really doesn't help against Leeds because they're going to be up in your face and man-marking you. So that really doesn't help. Um, and that ultimately, I think, lost us the game. I think Wan-Bissaka played quite well. Uh, I didn't think Dan James was the right option. I think, for me, personally, I think he we should sign him on a loan for every single time we play City because that seems to be the only game that excels in for us on the counter-attack. Uh, but yeah, this game didn't suit him whatsoever. I think Pogba would have been a better suit coming on the left-hand side, cutting inside with a bit of Bruno and Pogba. We saw it like 76 minute onwards. Um, but yeah, I think if Pogba did come on earlier in the game, Calvin Phillips would have been a bit stranded in the midfield, obviously being the only central defensive midfielder. Um, but yeah, I think I think some of those uh, chances we should have buried but yeah, Leeds Leeds brought it brought it to us at the end of the day. What did you think of the game, Alex? Um, I thought it was a not a very exciting game. I think in the second half there was only a, a few chances, but it was mostly down to to Leeds breaking up all the play that Manchester United were uh, trying to to put together. Um, I agree that some of them were a foul, but I think the referee tried to like take the atmosphere of the game in, into consideration. Like, as you said, Leeds haven't played Man United um, at Ellen Road for a while. So they were probably like in their mind saying, we're going to, we're going to hit them hard. And they did. Um, so although I think it wasn't officiated to like, like full effect, I think um, that like, there was no standout tackles that like should have been a red card or anything. So I think it was, it was all right. Yeah, it... I think a lot of the uh, the rough play was uh, Bielsa's decision. I reckon he went into that game saying, "Guys, you got to play rough because they won't like it." Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think he played his cards exactly right because they ne- they never pulled anything that was good enough, like hard enough to get a red or a yellow. I, I think they got two yellows, didn't they? Uh, it was yeah, two or three or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but um, nothing enough to get a red, and I think. That was pretty much exactly what they needed to do against you. Yeah. And I think they they should be happy with this result. Yeah, I think uh, it looks like play rough against us and you're in for a match because against Burnley, that always happens to us. Of course, they're a very big, rough team as well. Um, but yeah, Leeds brought that to us and they have a bit more pace than Burnley, so it was extra hard to get past them. 
Um, but yeah, Leeds do get a point. Staying in Yorkshire now, Sheffield United beat Brighton uh, 1-0. David McGoldrick getting his eighth goal of the season and Paul Heckingbottom's uh, first win as Sheffield United manager. Um, we'll go on to some uh, League Cup action. Actually, we'll go on to the n- second Premier League game, sorry, um, in last couple of games. Uh, 2-1 to Leicester against Crystal Palace. Ian Acho getting yet another goal um, sealing the win for Leicester. Uh, I'm trying to think who got Palace's goal. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Was it not Saha? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was Green Hair. Yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember seeing it. Um, yeah, he won 2-1. Uh, uh, Leicester won 2-1, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, they look like they could be solidifying their third-place spot uh, in the Premier League this season. Um, going on to the Carabao Cup now, Manchester City um, win equal Liverpool's record of eight League Cups, which is the most ever, making it four years in a row winning this competition. Um Report getting the vital goal, 8,000 fans in the stadium, which always helps. Uh, but yeah, I think we all knew that City were going to sort of win this one and it proved like it was City's win in the end of the day because they did dominate the game uh, and Spurs couldn't really cope with it. And I think Kane was a little bit too deep for most people's liking in the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he, uh, he does that a lot. He, he, his positioning is generally very good. He's always positioned uh, very well to get a goal. If you can see that there's no goals coming, I think he should track back to um, just make it easier for his team. Yeah. On the attack, Alex, especially, I thought he dropped a little bit too deep, like I said before. Yeah, it almost seemed like he was like a bit, not afraid, but he didn't really want to, to go up that much because he knew that City were probably just going to get the ball straight back and just counter them. So he wanted to kind of sit deep because he doesn't really trust the rest of the team. Um, and that normally happens against a lot of the um, the big six teams, if you want to call them that anymore, um, and the teams that play a very attacking football. And obviously, with the new manager and everything, they, they didn't really want to push anyone to, to attack or play like a, a non-defensive style of football against City, which is always quite hard. Yep, I believe Ryan Mason did make a couple of changes as well. Serge Aurier with another bit of a a tackle that maybe could have been sent off for a yellow card, but yeah, he didn't in the end. Uh, 8,000 fans in the stadium. It was very good to see. 4,000 or 2,000, I believe, NHS. 2,000 City uh, and 4,000, I think it was, NHS. And then 2,000 City, 2,000 Spurs. What did we think of that? I thought the atmosphere was quite good of what I saw of the Thogden's vlog and in the game. What do you think? Yeah, it was it was definitely much needed. I don't. I think last time we had fans in, it was uh, near Christmas, so it was definitely um, much needed. And then the fact that they brought in NHS workers as well, just to say a, a thank you, is is very nice of them and a very good gesture. Yep, of course. Is it? It's now the last two game weeks, isn't it? That fans will be allowed in because some teams didn't have a home game, did they? I believe. I think I think that was what was going yeah. to happen. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, yeah so, so that's uh, very good. Uh, I forgot to mention, which I said at the start, uh, Burnley won four 0 against Wolves on Sunday in the earlier kickoff. Um, third consecutive game, Chris Wood has scored against Wolves. Um, he had a brilliant performance, then in a score and a hat trick. I believe that's his fourth club career hat trick for Chris Wood. So the New Zealand international doing very well in the Premier League with Burnley. Um, 
that just shows his class, doesn't it? Um, and what we've all been waiting for for these last couple of months, doesn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think he really goes under the radar, Chris Wood. Like he, he scores a solid um, 10, 15 goals a season and we, no one really notices it. Um, but, I mean, it, it was really easy for him against the Wolves. They they seem like they were playing like their season's over already. They can't get Europe and they can't get relegated, so they might as well not play. Um, and then Chris Wood just capitalised on it. I think he got three goals and an assist, which is a, a very good performance from him. Yep, uh, he got three goals in the first half, wasn't it? A hat trick of yeah. 44 minutes. So, yeah, uh, he did very, very well. Uh, Ru Patricio's only missed one game in 108 matches for Wolves. Um, but, yeah, it didn't help that the Wolves' defence wasn't the best, especially, I believe, it was the second goal where McNeil caught one of the defenders uh, on the left side. And then, yeah, like you said before, Alex Crisbud and McNeil both capitalised. Um, Joe, do you think Burnley will uh, avoid the drop? They are nine points above the drop now, so it is looking like they could be staying for the fifth Premier League season. I think they definitely will, yeah. Nine points, I don't think anyone's catching that uh, anytime soon. Yep. Um, now, what do we think? I don't know if anybody saw the Adama Traore uh, incident where he put his hand in Jack Cork's face, I believe. Um, now, I heard Jermaine Genus say that if if in other decisions this would have been sent off because it's sort of like an open palm in his face, Jack Cork. It was sort of like that. I'm doing that on the Zoom call now, if you can sort of say. Um, but it was sort of like one of those. Did you think it was a sending off at the time, Alex? Yeah, I thought because like any other player, if it wasn't like a Burnley player, as he was saying, would have gone down like screaming like Lamella um, in the in the United game. I think it was against yeah, Tottenham, Marcia, and then yeah. it probably would have been sent off. But um, as he said, um, Sean Dyche has probably gone. You don't really go down with that. And at the end of the day, it is like serious foul play. He has put his hand in his face, which is a red card in any other situation. So why do you think it's not been given? Because he didn't go down. Yeah. Is that is that's, that's the that's only the purpose? Only reason, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, he's not going to stop yeah. play for a card if nothing like nothing's come of it, is he? Well, the play already stopped because I think a foul was committed by one of the Burnley players. I think it was, and then that led to that being uh, held to a decision. But I think he got a yellow card, didn't he? But yeah, yeah, he didn't get a red. Um, so I think he was a bit provoked as well and a ton of all other incidents was going around as well I'm not so sure if like Vidra was involved with somebody as well uh, but yeah there was a lot of pushing and shoving going around um, but yeah Burnley do get the win at Molyneux Right, so uh, a couple of protests took place last week. Um, Arsenal being the one on Friday, um, Manchester United doing one on Saturday as well, um, and a number of other ones like we saw in midweek with Chelsea uh, and other fans putting things around the stadium like we did with City and Liverpool. Um, what do we think of these protests? Do you reckon, do you reckon they are like, sensible to do? Do you reckon they should be able to do them? Uh, and do you reckon uh, the clubs will sell in the end, like we've seen with Cronky? Do you reckon Cronky will sell up? A lot of questions in one. <laughs> uh, I I do think it's like the right thing to do, because like it, at the end of the day, it's probably the only way that they're going to see, um, going to like the fans are going to get their their voices heard. But um, in the same way, like with COVID and everything, they're kind of giving um, the like the owners an excuse to like condemn it, like say you can't do this and everything. So 
although I think like it's the right thing to do, they are giving like the the um, the owners a leg to stand on. What about you, Joe? Um, I think I think the only way they're going to really make a difference is protesting, and I think it'll help prolong the um. Well, basically, football as a whole. I think football will be ruined if this Super League ever does take into effect. But um, I swear there was a rule that came out during that Black Lives Matter where you're not supposed to protest or anything during COVID. Yeah. So yeah. I can see why some people would say uh, that it's bad that this has been allowed to happen because it is a bit of a two edged stick and it does sort of scream of corruption. Because all of the politicians came out and basically said, we're going to stop this Super League. But they didn't do anything about Black Lives Matter and actually tried to prevent people um, protesting against it. Yeah. The only thing that they had to say about it was the violence, didn't they? Yeah. About the Black Lives Matter. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, Now, I think... I was going to go to the one this weekend for United, but I can't, uh, unfortunately. Um, But I think... I think the, the fans especially, because the global fans, apparently they all wanted it, of course, because who doesn't want to see Real Madrid and stuff in midweek? But then they don't know what the pyramid is, the English pyramid is towards and how it's surrounded virtually around most people's lives in this country. So they don't get that, which I completely understand. But I'm still annoyed about the Americans thinking that they can come over here and just change our whole game because you can't... I know they don't have promotion and relegation, but... They have to understand they can't come over here and adopt our game. Our game's here for a purpose, and I think that's why it should stay. Was it the Americans that like put it all forward? Uh, so I believe I think it's Most three out the owners, yeah. three out of six or two out of six are the Americans, and one of them who was heading it was Joel Glazer, um, who is an American from for United. Um, Florentino Perez being the head, who's Spanish, but the fact is that. Florentino Perez didn't even say anything about um, having no promotion and relegation. But then I know why that is, because he's come out this week and said there's no promotion and relegation purposely, because I think, because of the money, so that Real Madrid can keep the majority of the money, which I think makes uh, makes a bit more sense. But yeah, he, he wouldn't have cared about the format anyway. But yeah, I was still a little bit annoyed how they thought they could change it. That would you think? I know we said it wouldn't have worked, but with the leagues, do you reckon it would have worked with the two groups because we're seeing the same format really in the Champions League, aren't we? In 2024, I'd, do you mean would the Super League have worked? Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I, I can't really like I can see it working for like the first three years, but then I think it's just going to become like um, a bit like the uh, the friendly tournaments that they have at the start of the seasons, like no one's really gonna care about it. Like you're gonna get money from it, but it's always gonna be the the same teams playing each other over and over again. Yeah, what do you think about the two groups, Joe? So there will be two groups of ten uh, in the Super League, but with the Champions League, what they're doing, I'm not sure if it's four or three groups um, of ten, or they'll divvy it up in some way. So it is virtually the same format, but just with more teams in the Champions League. Um. I think it would be harder on players, but uh, I think we, we said this last week. Um, but at the end of the day, it's more games for us to watch. So as a fan, personally, I think it's um, 
a good thing for, for a fan, but I think the players are going to find it really tough for the first couple of years. Yeah, definitely, especially stamina, fatigue and everything that comes into play. Um, now we'll go on to the Premier League Hall of Fame that was introduced this week. Now the first inductees were Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer. Of course, Alan Shearer being the top goal scorer in the Premier League history. What did we think of uh, them two being inducted as the first two? Any complaints, would you say? No, not really. I think there was a lot of um, people that argued maybe someone like Cristiano Ronaldo but at the end of the day, he's a Premier League Hall of Fame and he produced most of his like best work at, at probably Real Madrid. So uh, I, I probably agree that Henry's probably like the best player in Premier League history. And then for, for what Alan Shearer did in the Premier League, being the, the all-time top goal scorer, I think he, he deserves to be in it as well. Yeah, of course, winning them with that uh, Blackburn team as well. Now, I chose my... I don't know if you saw, but on the website um, and on the app, I believe, uh, for the Premier League, you could actually choose the next six nominees that are going to be inducted. Um, so I'll I'll tell you mine in a minute. Um, but Alex, would you do the honours of reading the 23-man list very quickly? Uh, yeah, so it's Tony Adams, David Beckham, Dennis Burkamp, Sol Campbell, Eric Cantona, Ashley Cole, Andrew Cole, uh, Didier Drogba, Les Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, Robbie Fowler, Steven Gerrard, Roy Keane, Frank Lampard, Matthew, Matthew Letizia. Uh, Matt <laughs> yeah, it says Matthew, actually. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's in the formal names, isn't it? Sorry, carry on. Carry on. Uh, Peter Schmeichel, uh, Paul Scholes, John Terry, Robin Van Persie, Nemanja Vidic, Patrick Vieira and Ian Wright. Ian Wright, right, right. <laughs> No, there are some. That, I mean, that list is insane. The amount of talent that's on there. Where's Wayne now, Rooney? Uh, you have to be five years. I would put you? Rooney in front of Van Persie any day. Uh, so the reason for that is uh, you you cannot have played in the last five years in the Premier League. So oh. that's why Rooney's not in it. Oh, okay. Just, so just to get that out of the way. Uh, right. Okay. So. Uh, I'll give you time, you two, to think of who you would select as your six uh, new inductees. But the ones that I selected, very controversial. Um, so Eric Cantona, uh, I'm just going down the list. Eric Cantona, Steven Gerrard, Roy Keane, Frank Lampard, uh, John Terry and Patrick Vieira. Only two That's United six. players, that's surprising. Yeah, I thought, I, I tried not to be biased. Um, what you, uh, I don't know if you two have managed to select your six yet. It is a very, very tough list. Uh, you can do it yourselves, actually, uh, at the moment. I think it'll be Saturday, Sunday, when the players will be inducted to this year's second round, I believe, of the shortlist. Um, I know you, you, you're both still looking at it, so... Uh, I'm going to say Go Beckham, on, Ooh. Cantona, Stevie G, Roy Keane... Uh, Schmeichel and Terry. That's a very, very good list. I was going to put Schmeichel in, but I don't know. I know he's like literally the best ever goalkeeper virtually ever, but I don't know. I did, some of the players I just think came to mind. I think it's just the outfield mentality for me. What about you, Alex? Who are you picking? Uh, I'm going to go Burt Camp, Cantona, Drogba, Gerard, Lampard, Ian Wright. A lot of strikes in that list. Why Drogba? Uh, I, I just think he did so much for Chelsea like in the Champions League and the Premier League. I think he was really like the, the main building point behind Chelsea's like 
how they were so good in the Premier League. So I just think, yeah. Did anybody else say Vieira? I didn't know. Uh, he was kind of a an on off pick for me. He was he was in the um the Invincibles in the Arsenal team, so um should probably be in someone's but looking at like all the other players, I think they did much more in, in the Premier League sense than than him. But yeah. Four Premier League titles. Invincibles team. But Steven Gerrard, I think he was overall a, a better player. Yeah, I think for me, probably I think the closest that comes to them two, um, that are Henri and uh, Alan Shearer, would be Steven Gerrard, purely because of the fact he was in a really bad Liverpool team and he made that team look good, <laughs> in a sense, in the Premier League especially. I know he never didn't win it or anything yeah. like that, but yeah, massive big-time player. Um, I think Ian know. Wright, like, he doesn't really get the, the respect he deserves either. Oh, he, Ian Wright coming to the Arsenal team... Like I think he was 28 when he first came into the Arsenal team, and he was still banging like 30 goals a season when he was 32. So, I think Dennis Bergkamp's very underrated. I don't think he's yeah, yeah, spoken about. He's an unbeatable he's... as well. Uh, yeah, he's an invincible as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I think he he was voted. Um, he scored the the best goal in Premier League history as well. So definitely the one against Newcastle. Yeah, the defender. Yeah, that that was good. Um, I think Lampard. I think didn't we all choose him? I'm not uh, sure about you, Alex. Yeah. I did, yeah. Lampard, you, Gerard. I don't think I did. did. Oh. How come you didn't choose him? What was your thinking? Just better players? Yeah, just better players. I'd rather have Schmeichel in because he's the best goalkeeper yeah. ever. It is a very, very hard list. Like, pretty it much is. everyone on that list deserves to be in it. Yeah, definitely. I, I still don't think, personally, Robin Van Persie should be in there. No, no. <laughs> that, I, I think he's probably the standout Um He's not a Maybe. bad player. I mean, he's... But if we're thinking of icons of the Premier League... Yeah. Well, no, he's not iconic, but he's a very good player. He's had a ridiculous amount of appearances and he did score a decent number of goals for the amount of appearances he had. But it's nowhere near on the level of your um, your Stevie G's and that. Yeah. Um, if you could add one player to that list, who would it be? I mean, it's quite hard to think, to be honest, but who would you pick? Not Wayne Rooney. <laughs> yeah, can't choose Wayne Rooney because he's not had your just yet. Um, maybe, maybe Robert Perez. Mm, shout, big shout that. Or, or Lehman as well. Mm, maybe, yeah. I'm just trying to think of all the players. I'm just I, thinking. I was just thinking back to the Arsenal team. I'm thinking off the top of my head. I know Ryan Giggs, I think, would be in there, but obviously with all the things that happened... Yeah, I don't think they really the can put him in there at the moment. No, I think I think it wouldn't be, yeah, the best decision to put him in. Um, Gary Neville? <laughs> maybe for punditry, maybe. But, yeah. um, I'm thinking... What about um, Lineker? I think, Did he play in the Prem? I think he yeah. played, like, the first three seasons. Yeah. But then he was His getting first... Shit. Eight seasons were in the Prem. What? Oh. Were they? Yeah. Played for Leicester for eight years. No, seven years. Between? And then Everton for one year. What seasons were they between? 78 to 85 and 85 to 86. All right. So this one, so this uh, is just Premier League, so this will be 92 onwards, I think. Oh, uh, fair enough. Sky as well. Um, 
I'm just trying to think of one player. I, what do you think about Ronaldo? Well, he's played for Spurs as well. Yeah. 89 was, to 92, and he scored 67 goals in 105 appearances. It's still class. Yeah. What do you think about Ronaldo? Shout. Do you reckon it's, he, he wasn't there enough, maybe? I don't yeah. think he was there enough, no. I, I think he did. He was one of the top players, of course, as well. But I think if he did stay at United for another couple more seasons, like maybe for seven years or so, I think maybe. Alex, you've got one that's come to you. Yeah, I would think just like if we're putting Cristiano Ronaldo in the category, surely we put Luis Suarez as well. Of course. How could you forget him? How have we forgot? Yeah, Luis Suarez has to be in there. I know it's hard for you to say that, Alex, but... Yeah, I I think I can admit that he was a very, very good striker. Yeah, top player. Um, I had somebody in my head before, and he's just completely gone out of my head. Um, I was going to say De Canio, but the only thing I would say mm. was that goal that he scored, the bicycle, yeah, the scissor kick. Yeah, sorry. Um, and he also probably played his best football in Italy as well. So, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of other defenders, maybe. Oh, mid- yeah, oh, it is hard. Petr Cech. Yeah, Czech could be on there, but I think Czech should definitely be on there. I, I'm not sure if he would have. Oh, he might have been like three Arsenal. or four years ago. Yeah, with Arsenal. Oh, so, true. Yeah. Yeah, he he might have not been on it. Oh um, yeah, he, he came out of retirement, didn't he, for Chelsea like this year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he had many appearances though. Michael Owen. <laughs> what about yeah. Him? Ballon d'Or winner. Yeah. He, yeah, maybe. I think also he didn't play enough games at top level because he obviously played for Liverpool and won the Ballon d'Or and everything, but then he went to Real Madrid and then played like the main part of his career there. So probably Kids one United. of the main. Yeah, he's got one vital goal that I can remember. He's, he's played for Stoke as well, but nobody really remembers that, let's be honest. <laughs> he's um, <for> Stoke. <laughs> they, haven't been, they haven't been good in a long time. Oh, up the Potters. They're going to be back soon. Um, right, so we'll... Yeah, we'll come back next week maybe and think of a couple more suggestions, go over it. Now, we'll stay on the owners sort of topic now. And Daniel Ek, the owner of Spotify, is set to launch an Arsenal takeover bid. Um, but this week, Stan Kroenke came out. Uh, that was with Vieira, Bergkamp, and I believe a number of other players as well. Henri being one, one of them as well. Uh, but uh, I think it was, yeah, Stan Kroenke came out this week uh, with his son, I believe, Josh, who he wants to hand it down to and said, we remain 100% committed to Arsenal and are not selling uh, and are not selling any stake in the club. We have not received any offer and we will not entertain any offer. Now, it's obviously very annoying for Arsenal fans, but Kroenke won't sell up, of course, like he's just said there. It will be passed down to uh, Josh Kroenke. Nobody can really do anything about it. The protests may be the closest thing, like we said before. Um, but it's it's not very good. I've heard, I was speaking to an Arsenal fan this week, and he was saying, because uh, Stan Kroenke also owns an NFL team called the LA Rams, and they've just recently made a £5 billion stadium and invested a ton of money into that. And apparently it, all the money gets uh, invested into the LA Rams rather than Arsenal. So that's why the spending over the last couple of years hasn't been as much as they would have liked it to be. Um, so what do you think about this, Alex? Do you reckon, of course, we all, most people want Cronky out, but why won't he sell, do you reckon? Just purely because of the money? Yeah, I think that's the main thing, obviously. He wants to probably be, be part of Arsenal Football Club, even though 
he might not realise that what he has done with the Super League is probably not acceptable. And even before that, the Arsenal fans weren't um, over the moon with him. Um, but I think if he, he gets offered enough money, then I don't think he'll have much of a choice to, to sell Arsenal. And if the fans obviously don't like him as much as West Ham, um, I th- I remember a few years ago with their protests, um, don't like like their chairman. So if the fans can get on his back and then if he gets offered enough money, then I don't think he can really turn it down. Yeah, Joe, looking at uh, the new owner, possible owner, maybe Daniel Ek, um, what do you reckon he would bring to the table for Arsenal? Um, I don't think he'd be stingy. Obviously, he doesn't have um, another club to spend money on, so I think he, he'd have his full attention on Arsenal for the time being. Um, he's constantly making money, so money won't be an issue for him at all. Uh being CEO of Spotify, obviously. Uh, and I think he is genuinely passionate about it. Even though I, I think it... Is he not Canadian or something? Swedish. Um, Swedish, so yeah. yeah. Swedish. So um, it's yeah. kind of weird that he's chosen Arsenal as a club, but I think it's quite interesting. Yeah, uh, this is a quote that he had this week, actually. He said, I've, all, I've been an Arsenal fan since I was eight. I'm very serious. I have secured the funds for it and I want to bring a very compelling offer to the owners and I hope they hear me out. I see a tremendous opportunity to bring it back to glory. I want to establish trust with fans and I want to engage the fans again with the football club. Um, so, yeah, very music music to Arsenal fans' ears, really, isn't it? That's what they want to hear because they've, they've lacked that over the last couple of years. That was a especially crap Conte. joke. What? Music to their ears. Come on, you can do better than that. Uh, I thought it was quite good. I thought it was quite good. I, I, I heard Lineker say it like ages ago, so I was like, might as well use it. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, hopefully... Uh, Daniel Ek comes in and takes over Arsenal. But yeah, we'll have to see in the next coming weeks. Um, just quickly going over some news. Uh, Eric Bailly uh, has signed another contract with Manchester United until 2024 with an option of an extra year. Um, this is a very interesting one. Bayern Munich have agreed Julian Nagelsmann terms, but by, but Leipzig want uh, a demanding fee. That's going to be a world record fee for a manager of 25 million euros. A very, very good opportunity, of course, Hansi Flick going to Germany, doing his job after Joachim Lowe steps down after the Euros in 20, uh, this summer. Sorry, um, What do you think you'll bring to Bayern, Alex? Because they're already a class team, so do you reckon you'll just make them into a more phenomenon of a team? Yeah, I think we've seen it with when he was at RB Leipzig. He used a lot of young players and brought them into the, to the first team. And then I think... With Bayern Munich, they already have a lot of good young players. I think with I think it's called Bayern Munich B. They have in the third league, and they have a couple of good players there. And hopefully, he can bring start bringing them slowly into into the first league more than Hansi Flick did, and just develop the team overall. Yeah, Chris Richards being one of them. I think he's an American or Canadian international centre back. Eighteen. He looks like a very good upcoming star. Uh, God knows what he's going to do with Alfonso Davis um, because he's already great at the moment. So we'll have to see what he does with him and a number of other talents. Jamal Musiala. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other players he could work with as well. Uh, Sule. Yep. Uh, didn't he sign from Schalke? Was it? Yeah. 
you know, when it's 18. So yeah, he looks another great player. Um, the man who will be replacing him is Jesse Marsh, uh, who will become the Leipzig head coach in the 2021-22 season. The 47-year-old joins from FC Red Bull Salzburg on a two-year contract until 2023. Um, yeah, so like I said before, he's replacing Julian Nagelsmann as manager. Not heard of much of him, uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, but He's sort of coming through the Red Bull have sort of got an academy sort of. I know they're doing it with the uh, players, but now they're starting to do it with the managers. I believe Nagelsmann started off at Salzburg as well. Now he's coming through to Leipzig and then he's going to Bayern. So take the Bayern bit out. But they've got a very good thing going on over at Red Bull, haven't they? Yeah, I think with the um, like they can get players for a reduced price. Obviously, they have the same owners and everything. So it seems like a bit of a cheat code. Like you can just ask them for a, a good player that they haven't offer them a reduced amount of money for him. So um, it's kind of a, a very good thing for have. I don't think like, they're not the same. Uh, I don't think one, they're in the what, same country, but Salzburg's in Austria, of course, and then Leipzig's in Germany. So yeah, but maybe like, the Red Bull derby. Because it's like, they're so closely linked. Would you, would you say it's a derby? Because it's Leeds, the Leeds United derby, I would say is a derby. Uh, may, a rivalry, the rivalry maybe. Yeah. I, I could see where you're coming from with uh, the Red Bull thing, though, with a derby, because the, the Red Bull derby... They have New York Red Bulls as well, don't they? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, maybe. Of course, if they do meet in Europe, it'll be very interesting to see. It'd be quite funny. Um, yeah, <laughs> Red Bull versus Red Bull. Um, but, yeah, uh, best of luck to Julian Nagelsmann. This is his new job. And Jesse... winging it. Coves. Get it, get it, get it. Oh, that wasn't God. funny. That was even worse. That was funny. <laughs> that was even worse. Thanks, John. <laughs> um, some very good news. Uh, Wesley Fafana tweeted after the game to thank the Premier League, Crystal Palace, uh, and Vincent Guaita for allowing him to take a break uh, for his Ramadan fast mid-game. That was also with Cheke Kuyate. Um, it's believed to be the first in Premier League history that a game has been paused to allow Muslim players to eat and drink mid-game once the sun has set in accordance with the rules of Ramadan. Like, I think this is great, to be honest. I think this has shown the more diversity and showing how much the Premier League and the FA are in touch with the game. Do you agree? I think it's a massive step forward. I was actually really happy to hear about this. I think it really shows um, that if not all of the fans, but def- the Premier League is moving forward as um, as a community. And I think most people actually support this. I think there's very few people who will be kicking off about this. And um, whoever you are, if you are kicking off about it, grow up, get over yourself. Yep, simple as that, as Joe's just said. Um, What do you think about it, Alex? Because, of course, it's always... It seems to be uh, always one-dimensional with the Premier League, but now they're exploring different areas and it seems to be, I don't know, paying off with other communities coming into the game, which is great to see. Yeah, it's definitely a good thing to have, obviously. It probably should be expected, seeing as it only takes about 10, 20 seconds out of the game for them just to have a a quick drink. Um, But again, they they didn't need to do it and it's a, a very good gesture. Yep. So hopefully we can see that maybe in the Champions League. It must be really hard for them to play during Ramadan. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. I remember they haven't since eaten some... since, what, like six in the morning in the summer, maybe even before. Actually, yeah, before that by quite a lot. So we'd have yeah. had to be up at like five to eat and then he's playing a, a late night game. 
I remember watching the Salford City documentary, uh, and it was about the academy women's team. And this uh, young uh, girl came and went for the trial, and she, was, of course, was doing Ramadan. And uh, she's, like you said there, Joe, she's uh, not been eating or drinking since about like five or six in the morning. And she had to do a trial and go through all the day, working high intensity, uh, like Salford City, I believe, play high intensity in the women's game. And the fact that she had to go through all of that and try and, and win the trial virtually to get a place in the team just shows how much it means to the game means to them. Um, so yeah, fair, fair play to all those players out there doing this in this certain time. Um, but yeah, well done for playing the game and yeah, really appreciate it. Great respect for you all. Um, now Harvey Barnes has been ruled out for the rest of the season for Leicester, a big blow. Now, would he have been in contention with Southgate squad, you reckon? Of course, Southgate having two more members now as a 26-man squad. Yeah, he's definitely in contention, but uh, I don't think he'll be that that big of a miss because um, I don't really see him starting. And there's obviously quite a few players that could easily fill his, his place, but uh, it's definitely bad for Leicester. Like they, They've not been struggling for goals, seeing as Ian Acho has picked up a bit of form, but um, they, they would have liked to see him come in before the end of the season. Yeah, what about you, Joe? Big blow for Leicester? Big blow for Leicester, definitely. But I don't think he'll be missed too much in the England squad. I think we've got a lot of squad depth and, um, yeah, a lot of quality in the England squad at the moment. Yep. Uh, going over some of the news now quickly. Um, mass protesters attacked Ed, Ed Woodward's house last week. Of course, um, it's awful what happens. This has happened twice now to Ed Woodward. This will probably be the last, but yeah. Again, nothing we like to say. Um, but yeah, very unfortunate the, the events that happened there. Um, and Bulgarian FA president has re- reappointed himself uh, as the um, president, of course. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, as, of course, he left in Sofia in 2019. Now, Alex, I've seen you've liked this post um, probably just be- because of the joke of it. Um, it's so stupid that that can happen, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if if someone steps down, surely they should have to go through everything to to get back into it. They just they shouldn't be able to like just put themselves back into power. Um, so I'm not sure what's going on with with the Bulgarian FA at the moment. It just screams of the massive um, corruption in within the FA all over the world. Yeah. Um, and of course, with the Bulgarian FA as well, that that's just even worse because his team, of course, or well, the Bulgarian national team, uh, getting racially abused with the fans as well. So he he owns virtually well, not owns them, but the fans are his product. That's why he brings them in to watch the game, and then they were doing that stuff, and then that forced him to step down because he couldn't cope with it. And now he's coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if we see another cycle of this again uh, with Bulgaria, um, like we see with Montenegro and all of those other teams that are very out of touch with the modern day world. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. Um, now, Oligona Solskjaer was asked this week about Roma uh, when he was asked his thoughts. He said, uh, didn't know them and hadn't seen them play. Uh, support of, supporters of the Syria side were angered by the Manchester United boss's comments and demanded the players make sure he will remember us with posters outside their training ground. Uh, I think Collie's ruffled a couple of feathers there again. Um, <laughs> of course, I think it's took a, took a little bit out of context, but this is what he did say. He said, I know about the history. I know about the quality um, that they've got. Uh, it was no meant 
it wasn't it was meant as no disrespect and i think everyone knows that i've got loads of respect for them of course that was after his comments that he didn't know about them um Drek and roma will just be a bit more fuel to go and win the game at old trafford today i think it's a bit weird that they got so annoyed at it but yeah i, I think they're going to want to go and basically stick two fingers up at him for saying that what about you alex um, I, I think definitely if the fans are able to put the same enthusiasm into the players, then it'll give them a bit more firepower maybe going forward and, and even in defence. But um, again, Manchester, Man United probably have the better squad overall and I think they'll find it a bit easier uh, to break them down than, than um, AC Milan. Yeah, I think they'll come out and attack us. Our game to lose, in my opinion. Our game, this, this is our game to win. Um, As a manager I'll, though... Surely it's a bit bad that he hasn't seen them play. Like, it's someone yeah, he'll be competing about against. So maybe it was a bit of shade that he was throwing. Yeah, it was. It, 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 it's a bit worrying in that sense. I don't I'm think sure. it's worrying. I think it was purposefully... Like, it could have been purposely, like, said in the way to annoy them. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think he's... I'm sure he'll have seen them play. Yeah, His job course. is literally to look at other teams. Yeah, him, Carrick, uh, Mike Phelan, they'll all have, and McKenna, they'll all have been looking over the recent clips like any other us against other sides. So I think he definitely has watched them. I, I like to see when that quote was said, but yeah, he, he definitely has watched them in certain clips. But over a whole game, I, I don't know, he might not have. Um, so yeah, that's it with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Mina Raiola is currently negotiating with Brescia Dortmund and warning that if they do not allow Erling Haaland to leave this summer, he'll ensure the player moves to the rivals of Bayern Munich in 2022. I mean, we know Mina Raiola talks a lot of rubbish, but this is a lot of rubbish coming out of his mouth at the moment. This that's is a big literally claim, isn't it? another money move, another big money move for Haaland, surely. I'm not sure if it'll come to fruition, but yeah, that's a it's a big ball statement. It's a big piece of waffle. Like, um, I even though like he can try and make Haaland go to to Bayern Munich. Ultimately, it is Haaland's choice. Like, if he wants to go City, he'll go City. So, I mean, yeah, who knows? But I I, I doubt it with with Robert Lewandowski and and Navri and everything. So. Yep, it'll be interesting to see if they do have a dual partnership up front. But like you said, I don't think it will happen. I think it's just a bit of negotiation move by me and Raiola. Alex, um, I know you, there's a social media boycott going on uh, this weekend that starts on Friday tomorrow at three o'clock British summertime, ends uh, m- Monday the 3rd of May at 11.59 British summertime as well. Um, Alex, I know you're doing this on your Everton account. Um, did you just feel the need to do it? Yeah, I think with like all of the stuff that's been going on recently, like all the, the racial abuse and everything, I think the only real way to to like stop everything happening is to, to boycott social media because it is in general the only like what the main platform that people who make racist remarks um that like they normally use social media. So if you just don't give them the platform they can't do what they want to do. Are we yeah, but, are we doing this? Yeah, I think we will be doing this. Uh, I'm going to put a post out hopefully after this podcast or I might just do the same as you, Alex. Uh, We'll just put it on our story as well um, just so we'll let people know about this. That means we can't post on uh, YouTube or Spotify either. Well, I'll get this out tonight then uh, or tomorrow, just before three. 
and then the the podcast will be all right to go. Um, and then we can do the highlights sometime next week. Um, so yeah, that is uh, completely fine. Um, so yeah, that should be going out on our social medias. Um, now it is time for Fredo Spreado. So it is match week thirty four this week. Um, so a number of big games taking place this week. Right, we're all set to go now. Uh, match week thirty four, Friday the thirtieth of April, Southampton versus Leicester, eight o'clock. Score prediction will go Alex, Joe, me. Go. 3 0 Leicester. 2 0 Leicester. I'm going to go same as you, Joe, 2 0 Leicester. The next game, Saturday's first game, Crystal Palace versus Manchester City, Sellers Park, half 12. 2 0 for Manchester City. I reckon uh, 3 0 City. I'm going to go. I think you said 2-0, Alex. I'm going to go the same as you. City, 2-0. Next game, Brighton versus Leeds at the Amex. Three o'clock kickoff. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 0-0. 0-0. It's a weird one. I reckon 2-1 Leeds. I was going to go 1-0 to Leeds, but I'm going to go one all. I think Brighton will want to get a win back after the Sheffield United defeat. The next game, Chelsea versus Fulham. A derby in London, another one. Half five. Uh, one nil to Chelsea. 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 Um, Chelsea. I think Fulham are going to come raring out, ready to go. And um, I think they're going to have a hard time of it. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going the same as you, Joe. 2-1 to Chelsea. The next game is the big game this week for you two. Everton versus Aston Villa. Eight o'clock kickoff at Goodison Park. Villa, Villa. Score prediction, Alex? Oh, I'm not very confident, to be honest with you. Um, really? Against us at the moment? Yeah, well, at, these, at like this point, I don't really feel confident. So I, I go, I go one all. Weird. And uh, our home form's a bit meh. I'm going to say 2-1 to Everton. I'm going to go 2-0 Everton. Everton. No, no, Jackie, Grealish. Next game, Newcastle versus Arsenal Sunday, 2 o'clock kickoff. Uh, 2-1 to Arsenal. I'm going to go with Alex, 2-1. I'm going to go with Alex and Joe, 2-1. Next game, big game, Northwest Derby, Manchester United versus Liverpool, half past four at Old Trafford. Uh, I'm going to go 1 0 to Liverpool. I think they'll, they'll grab it. And I want I want West Ham to not get um, Europe either, so it'd be funny. <laughs> I'm going to say 2 0 United. I think United are playing very well. Yep, it'll be a big game for both sides. Uh, more for Liverpool, I think, though. Uh, 2 1 to Manchester United. No. Next game Spurs versus Sheffield United, 7 15. 3 0 Tottenham Hotspur. I, I think it could be a big game. Um, I'm going to go 2 0 Spurs. Um, I'm going to go, same as you, Joe, 2-0 Spurs. Actually, no, I'll go 3-0 three, three Spurs, sorry. Same as we'll Alex. Through, we'll, we'll go through these games very quickly. Uh, West Brom versus Wolves. 
at 1 0 Wolverhampton Wanderers. No, wait, West Brom, West Brom, West Brom. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, 1 0 the, the, the baggies. 1 0 baggies, okay. Um, 2 1 baggies. I'm going to go 1 0 baggy, same as Alex. Actually, I'm going to go 1 all. I've changed it last minute. N- all right, next game Burnley versus West Ham. Turf Moor. Uh, place. 2 0. Burnley. Hi ho. Hi ho. One nil West Ham. I'm gonna go one nil West Ham as well. That's all the Fredo Spreado predictions done for game week thirty-four. That's a bye from me. And me. And me. Thanks for watching slash listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, and uh, if you're on Spotify, give us a follow. And uh, thanks. Bye.